This is Nebraska Farmcast, a production of the Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Department of Agricultural Economics. I'm Ryan Evans. On June 3rd, 2021, as part of our weekly Farm and Ranch Management webinar series, Aaron Borer, an economist with the U.S. Meat Export Federation, presented on the growing role of exports in livestock markets, covering the global demand for red meat, how U.S. beef and pork exports have been performing alongside livestock markets and meat prices, how the pandemic has affected those, and more. The full webinar is available for viewing on our Farm and Ranch Management website, farm.unl.edu. Right now on the podcast is a short recap and expansion of that presentation. Speaking now with Aaron Bohr from our Ag Econ Department here at UNL is Dr. Elliot Dennis. Well, thank you, Aaron, for that webinar that you just presented on the growing role of exports uh, in the global market. Maybe you can talk a little bit for people who haven't been able to, to listen to or watch the webinar yet. Uh, what you briefly covered for both uh, the pork and the beef sector. Okay, yeah, thank you. Well, we talked about uh, a lot of things because there's so much going on right now, but I think the bottom line is that we, USMEF, expect U.S. beef and pork exports to be record large this year. And that's even with a number of challenges still in play. So that includes the, the pandemic situation and COVID cases still significant and in some cases on the rise in some of our really important markets. Uh, this includes a recent surge in cases in Taiwan, which had been unscathed up until a couple of weeks ago, and still a large number of cases in Japan, which means they have sustained food service restrictions across most of the country. And at the same time, in places like Korea, where cases remain relatively high, but more stable. So their food service has been able to operate fairly normally, although still only back 80, 90% to what it was pre-COVID. And the, the best news here is that despite the pandemic challenges, demand for U.S. beef and pork has grown and has been incredibly strong through food service and through even through e-commerce, especially in places like Korea and China. And even in places like Mexico, where e-commerce and delivery were like non-existent prior to the pandemic, you know, they've sped ahead and probably done in like 10 years um, what they would have done in 10 years in like 10 months. So uh, it's through all of these platforms that growth has offset the, the food service related challenges. And then the other, I think, still constraint is uh, kind of tied back to labor. Uh, but especially these uh, shipping delays and logistical challenges, which are still impacting our total export volumes. And, you know, you see it across a number of things and all the talk about inflation. And that is somehow related to or partly causing and contributing to the shipping backlog. So that has taken the edge off a bit maybe of our export forecast, but we're still looking at beef exports up 9, 10% and pork exports up close to 2% off of last year's huge record volume. So in the US, the, the story has always been uh, about supply constraints, supply constraints and this growing wholesale beef price. Uh, you've mentioned similar things. Uh, what do you think is really driving prices uh, within that wholesale, wholesale market? Is that 
Um, something that's coming from the exports, we just have a lot of demand out there. Is it a demand issue? Is it a supply issue? Yeah, the, the record wholesale prices for beef and pork are demand driven. So we have beef and pork production up year on year, but also up compared to 2019. And so despite the challenges, you know, still of limited labor in these plants and across the entire chain, um, we have been able to produce more. And so demand is the reason for these high prices. Um, there are some supply growth constraints. So, you know, maybe we're capping, we know our fed slaughter, for example, hasn't been able to average more than like 510,000 head a week. So in a way, again, those labor constraints are capping like how much production can grow. And on the hog side, um, I would say you have, you do have a supply factor in there. Uh, it's globally and in the US. So in the US, you have the, the decrease in cold storage inventories um, been running consistently down, you know, about 25%. And that pipeline has never refilled after the, the supply chain challenges last year because demand has sustained through all of this. So we've never been able to rebuild those freezer inventories. So that automatically puts a floor on pricing. And we also have, well, a seasonal decrease in US pork output, we know that. And there were some productivity issues and you could argue some related to COVID culling uh, last year. So the growth in production again is not what it has been in the past few years, even though we're growing we have grown year to date. So there is a bit of that supply side constraint, I guess, um, in the US and then globally, I mean, supplies are super tight. So this actually applies for beef and pork. On the pork side, clearly African swine fever still impacting in China, but the new move this year has been more in Southeast Asia and especially in the Philippines. And um, African swine fever in Europe, which is more impacting their trade flows, but limiting what Germany can export Outside of, outside of Europe because other countries close as soon as you get the virus. And um, that has kind of obviously had a huge impact on global pork output. At the same time, on the beef side, we're seeing really tight supplies out of Australia, our biggest competitor, and their slaughter expected to be down 11% this year, exports down nearly as much, and running even lower than that so far this year, down more like 20%. So um, it, it is kind of a double whammy, so really strong demand as food service comes back to life, uh, especially here stateside, so trying, trying to re-pipeline that food service and everything kind of coming back at once. And uh, again, at the same time, maybe you have kind of a ceiling on output and the export offtake has remained massively strong at the same time, uh, again, as consumers around the world have really valued that high quality, healthy, nutrient dense protein throughout the pandemic. And that has sustained and even gained further momentum. So, so yes, it's kind of everything hitting all at once. And I mean, I, you're not going to see these prices go up forever. Um, but we are also in grilling season. Uh, consumers have money, certainly in this country with the stimulus. And even though some have been super hard hit on average, there is that pent up safer excess savings. And so, yeah, just a ton of factors contributing on both, really both the demand and the supply side. Although I still say this is a demand run market at the moment. 
for exports, it, you know, we see the exports, we see, you know, potential growth in the market. So uh, sometimes it can be hard for producers to actually see that, you know, they're, they have their operation, they have these day-to-day, uh, you know, when to feed the animals and uh, making sure we have enough labor there to, to feed them and to water them. And uh, maybe you can talk about what does this export market actually mean for producers and uh, what can producers do to either take advantage of or protect themselves from potential volatility that is now introduced? Yeah, great question. So at the start of the webinar, we talked about uh, my perspective is that the growth in our industry has been export driven. So sometimes I hear people say, oh, we need to export all of this excess production. And that's not how I see it. I see the growth in this industry being driven by, largely by the export market. Um, So if we go back and look at 2020 compared to 2015, the growth in production of both beef and pork was about 15%. And then if we look at the export growth for pork, it was nearly 40% and for beef, 18%. And at the same time, we've kept these supplies per capita. So not demand, but just the balance sheet supplies per person in this country, basically stable. So the domestic market and our strength here domestically is priceless. Um, it is such a huge asset and it's a pretty big contrast to a lot of our competitors who have in a lot of cases, a challenging domestic situation or in Europe, a lot of other negative factors toward uh, meat consumption. But for the United States, we have this rock solid critical domestic market that just gives so much strength to our industry. And then exports are like the icing on the cake. So Exports allow us to grow further our beef and pork production and meet that growing global demand as well as our strong, steady, steady, solid U.S. demand. And critically, they add value across the entire animal. So with exports, you're able to um, sell into markets that have different tastes and preferences. So, for example, those tongues into Japan, which Japan will pay, you know, six dollars or more wholesale per pound for tongue. And your alternative market would be, it's hard to even guess because you have to back out exports entirely, but maybe $1.52 if we look back to say when we were out of markets due to BSE. So the tongue to Japan is a great example um, of adding tremendous value to every animal we produce. And then things like short plate, I'm gonna stick with Japan for a moment which I don't think we consume a lot of short plate, at least I don't see it at my grocery store. Um, So if we keep short plate in this market, it usually goes into trim, so 50% lean trim. If we export it to the Asian markets, um, they thin slice it often and serve it, well in Japan it's on guidon rice bowls. And there's really no substitute for short plate for that beef bowl in Japan and big companies like Yoshinoya uh, who use our product. And so even through BSE, when we were out of the market, they had to substitute a lot of like pork belly from Europe um, because there's just no, no true substitute for our USB short plate. And so again, we're able to add value to that by shipping it into these Asian markets. Now China bidding heavily against Japan for that product. Korea had discovered it as well a couple of years ago. So everyone wants it. We've seen prices for that cut 
run from like $1.75 to like $3.20 a pound on this strong Asian demand. And on the pork side, um, again, our preference here in the United States is really for those middle cuts. So for bacon, for ribs, for tenderloin. And we need a market for all of those, especially bone-in hams, for example. And so we export maybe at least 40% of the ham primal. And a lot of that is bone-in chilled combos that go to Mexico. And we are so short of labor in this country that we need the Mexico market to be able to debone that product. And they need the raw material to be able to produce a number of processed products, including hams for their consumers um, whose pork consumption still has potential to grow further. And even as their domestic pork production has been growing strongly as well. And so it's all about adding value to every animal by capturing these different tastes and preferences, pork feet to China, pork stomachs to China and Mexico. And you also have different um, seasonality. So holidays at different times, being able to capture some of that demand as we look around the world and growing incomes, you know, all of this contributes to this global demand, which we have to be a part of. If you're not a part of that, you're a, going to be a shrinking industry. So it also keeps us competitive as well as adding value to everything we produce. And uh, I know as a consumer myself, I know it can be frustrating because it often seems like the livestock markets, especially the past few years, have operated, you know, under livestock market conditions. Um, and this is a topic, you know, for a whole separate conversation. We know it's one of the hottest topics today. Um, but we have seen changes in things like, like hog pricing, adding more of that cutout component. And I know that that Don Close at Rabobank has done pretty extensive research on this as well, trying to look at how we can, in a way, in my mind at least, is bringing the, the livestock producer, the cattle feeder closer to the beef market. And you can argue this has benefits um, for consumers and for producers. It may not mean you always get the highest prices. It may take out the highs and the lows. <laughs> but especially for cattle where we have such a long production cycle. Um, I'm concerned at the moment as we have this severe drought, certainly where we are in Northern California and so much of the West in severe drought, we're seeing cow slaughter at the highest in um, about two decades, maybe we'll go back to 95, 96 drought. So we're already seeing beef cow kills up 10% so far this year. And we're not even into you know the real liquidation months. So. As I look at the world with the strong demand for U.S. beef, I'm concerned that we're going to go into contraction at a time when the world needs more of our product and demands more of our product. And then you're looking at, you know, several years to build back out of it. And so how can we stabilize this cycle um, when we have had sustained low returns to the cow-calf producer? That doesn't help, right? So I am as curious as anyone as how we can get some more stability Again, partially because for, for cattle, once that cow goes to market, it's years to bring back that production. Um, so it's not a real direct answer, but it's a super complicated question. But for me, still, there's no doubt in my mind that exports make us better off. And we need those international customers for our product. And it only grows the, the pie. And we also import to backfill some of that. So importing you know, lean trim to help meet our Himber demand in this country. And 
especially because we're an importer and an exporter, it tells you how much sense it makes to export uh, because we are getting a higher dollar for those products. Well, thank you, Aaron, for uh, both the webinar and this podcast. Maybe you can uh, tell our listeners a little bit about USMEF and what it does um, and kind of the things that it's been doing around the world. Yeah, so the U.S. Meat Export Federation, um, our, our mission is to increase the profitability of the beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for our products in the international markets. And we have boots on the ground doing this every day. And these international staff are, are, are huge attributes. And so they are your folks out there working for your product in these markets, they understand them, they are locals, so they understand the culture, and they see both the challenges and opportunities coming at us, and especially in this past year, year and a half, they really had to adjust on the fly, and to adopt new um, marketing strategies, you know, just at the moment, we were on with our Taiwan staff a couple nights ago, and they've had to rejigger everything, because <laughs> they had just gotten back to in-store tastings, and now everything's, you know, shut down, and so, yeah, they're super adaptable. And the other thing to note here is we often travel a lot and we like to take producers to the markets when we can. And we like to bring teams to the United States, uh, especially to introduce them firsthand to the people in the trade, to our product, our producers. Obviously, we have not been able to do that. But since we have international staff, locals, we've still been 100% running 110% marketing U.S. beef and pork day in and day out hasn't slowed us down a bit. So again, having your international team has been a huge attribute and luckily they're all very tech savvy. So they've adapted right along with things like live streaming, which I'd never even heard of. So there are all these new ways that we're able to not only market, but actually have the transaction happen at the same time uh, in these countries. And it's been really fascinating to watch and Again, that having those international representatives, especially through this time, has been quite priceless. Once again, uh, Aaron, thanks so much for the webinar, for this podcast, and we look forward to hearing from you in the near future. Thanks so much. This has been Nebraska Farmcast, a production of the Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. For decision-making tools, articles, podcasts, videos, and more, visit us online at farm.unl.edu.